God. I want to call uh, Kevin Buck up real quick. He didn't know I was calling him. Hallelujah. I'd like, <laughs> yeah, ready in season out. There you Amen. go. Amen. Tell, just take a minute and tell what happened with your foot a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, okay. What uh, Jesus did. Well, I got, I got my ankle kind of twisted up uh, one day trying to get up my stairs quick to get out of the rain because I was, you know, in a little bit of a rush. And it was kind of bothering me for a couple days. And um, I was in, uh, I was doing sound. Uh, it was, was it last week? I can't remember how long ago. It was maybe two weeks ago. And, uh, and so I didn't come forward toward the end. But at, after service, uh, pastor was out in the foyer. And I said, pastor, I, I would like you to pray for me because my ankle's been bothering me. And uh, he said, okay, sit down. So I sat in the chair. And uh, it was kind of funny how that kind of worked because he kind of picked up my heel and my, my leg. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he was just picking it up. And then he prayed. And he said, okay, well, see how that feels. What is that? And I, I got up out of the chair, started walking, and, and it was completely gone. And I, <laughs> I felt, I said, it feels cold. It feels cold. Because, you know, there have been times in my life where, you know, the anointing has been on me and it felt hot. And I had never experienced it where it felt cold. And, he, and pastor says to me, he says, well, if it was inflamed, it was already hot. Now it's cold because it's healed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So he healed you right on yep, the spot. Immediately. Yep. Out in the I'm, foyer. Yep. Amen. I'm, yeah. Sitting out there. <laughs> Glory to After God. After service, not even at the altar, but out there. Is Jesus your healer? Amen. I hope Amen. Multiple times. You know that. <laughs> I, got, I got healed by about way more than a hurt ankle. Yeah. So, amen. amen. Glory to God. If he's his healer, is he your healer? Amen. 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 Is amen. he your restorer? Yes. Will he set you right? Even if you did it to yourself, going upstairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if you did, he loves you more than your mistakes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. His love is greater than your mistakes. Yeah. We don't want to keep walking in mistakes, but even if we find ourselves in that place, if if we'll just give ourselves to the Lord and say, "Lord, I'm yours," and uh, He loves you, and He's got great plans for your life. Amen. Amen. Does anybody receive that this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. If you're sitting there, even right now, if you're sitting there and you got something in your body that you you need restoration from. The word says in uh, Psalms, he says, I sent my word and healed them. I sent my word and healed them. I sent my word and healed them. So today, even while I'm praying, I'm sending the word right here. The Holy Ghost is sending the word right here. Even as I'm preaching, I said praying. Even as I'm preaching, the word is being sent right now. And there's an anointing in his word to heal you. There's an anointing to break that yoke of bondage. Even while the word is preaching, we've had it multiple times where people are sitting there and all of a sudden something pop and all of a sudden they're healed, right? Who, that can be you today. How many people receive the restoration and the supernatural healing of God today? Amen. Glory to God. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We've been here a little while. Multiple days I've tried to preach on this and then the Lord's interrupted it. Last week he told me uh, to talk about some practical wisdom for the devil's attacks. How many people got something out? That saw something you didn't see before. If you didn't, if you didn't hear last week's message, I asked that everybody, 
everyone attached to Boomerang in any way, in any shape, a tender, partner, member, whatever it is, in any way, watch last Sunday's message. It's important. The Lord told me it's important. I was going to preach this message, but in worship, he said, now preach this. And the Lord gave us practical wisdom. I had multiple people say, Pastor, that was for me. I needed it today. Thank you very much. Because the devil was attacking people. He was attacking me. He was attacking a bunch of people. And it, it's not just even us. It was around the world. I watched it uh, happen. I've also seen where the devil's been attacking marriages. Uh, that's been been a big thing in the last couple of months. He's been attacking marriages. And uh, hey, why? Because he knows his time's limited. Things are happening. There's an awakening that's happening. Amen. There's the word we had. It's time for an awakening. That's not gone. It's time for an awakening. The question is, will you be a part of the awakening? So I've gone to this and uh, we've been trying to get through just this one chapter for about three or four months now. And uh, But if the Holy Ghost says preach something else, we will. A couple of weeks ago, we preached on freedom. It was July 4th, but I wasn't planning on that. We preached on freedom. Then we talked about freedom and we even, <laughs> we talked about freedom on the broadcast. Some of you might not know, but every weekday we do a live broadcast at 1130 a.m. And the first 30 minutes is fun and entertaining and the last hour is in the Word. And we literally get into depth of things that we don't always have time to do on Sunday morning. But we talked that whole week about freedom. And uh, one of the things was, uh, <laughs> we said, was Jesus a socialist? Uh, or a capitalist, right? That was the title of it. And uh, we got reported, our, our thumbnail got reported for sex and nudity and, and YouTube banned our thumbnail. It was a picture of Jesus helping a guy up, right? And uh, we, we appealed it and YouTube came back and said, oh, we made a mistake. That wasn't really it. But apparently somebody went on there and went, this is sexual or whatever. So I was like, hey, for the kingdom, for Jesus' name, we, we received persecution. And, uh, and uh, even more, I, I feel like we almost have arrived because, uh, you know, the devil makes people do crazy stuff. Um, this is kind of gross, uh, but literally yesterday I got a text message. Somebody found that somebody came on the property and, uh, and used the bathroom and left it there. And uh, is that right? <laughs> and, and had to clean it up. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Never had that before. And, uh, but it's like, what is the devil doing? He, just, he loves to just make things grotesque. And he loves to come against churches that are bringing freedom in the lives of people. And, and you just laugh at it. You just move on. But you also, and watch this, you're commanded to resist it. So right now, before we even jump into this, let's just resist all these attacks. Amen. Let's, the word says, if two or more agree concerning my will, it shall be done. So let's just come against that right now. Amen. Amen. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we resist... All of these attacks, marriages, minds, everything, even on the property. Lord, set your angels protective around this property, above and beneath and on all sides. May the devil not even touch it. Lord, if people won't be changed, they can't even come on the property. But if they'll be changed, if they'll yield to you, Lord, let them come and get changed in Jesus' name. Let them find the fertile soil of a loving ground where they can be planted and grow up into 
everything that you've called them to be. Lord, we thank you. But right now, devil, cease and desist your maneuvers against this body. Cease and desist against their finances. Cease and desist against their minds. Cease and desist in Jesus' name. Any division, any uh, dissensions, anything that would be there, Lord, break its power. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Lord, we thank you. We walk in the unity of God. And you command your blessing over this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have uh, watched it over the years. Uh, you know, you've heard me say this before. I felt, felt like I should mention it. I've watched it over the years. You know, we've, we're heading towards 13 years as a church started in our living room. Hallelujah. Amen. In January, it'll be 13 years. And, um, you know, you hear stories about people that will, you know, do wrong things against a pastor or somebody who's anointed or against a church, and then something bad happens to them and everything. And you hear stories about that. But the issue is, like, as a young pastor, I didn't know if that was right or not. I didn't know if that was true. I found out God takes that stuff very seriously. God takes it serious. If somebody is being obedient to God and they are following his command and walking in his purpose and somebody decides, and they can even be deceived, but they decide to come against that, that is not something the Lord plays games with. He does not play games with that. Somebody's causing, even in Romans, I think it's 16. Romans, it says, if somebody is causing divisions in the church, you mark them, right, and have nothing to do with them. Uh, God takes it serious. It's not a game to God. Why? Because his anointing, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. And when you come, and you got to remember that Jesus came, what we said a couple weeks ago, Jesus came for the purposes of freedom. Freedom is what he's about. That is his spirit. And when somebody's getting set free and you stand in the way, even if you think you're doing right, but you stand in the way of that, God takes that stuff serious. And we've watched it, whereas I didn't know if that was true early on. I found out. You've seen it. We've seen it. God takes that seriously. I know people that aren't even on the earth anymore, young, that aren't even here anymore because they didn't take that seriously. It is a serious deal where you're planted, and it's a serious deal to come against what God is doing. God doesn't play games with that. I, I didn't, you know, I say that. Why? Because that's wisdom. That's the wisdom of the Lord. He takes it serious. The freedom of his people and where they're planted, he takes it serious. And you don't want to be found on the wrong side of that for just because we're thinking the wrong things. Amen. God wants you blessed. He wants you flourishing. But you have to watch. I'll tell you this, though. Every single one of us, including myself, have been tempted to be that one and, and it's happened many times. I've had it happen to me many times in different situations where the Lord just said, oh, that minister's thinking wrong of you. And all of a sudden I'm wondering what they're thinking wrong about me. And then all of a sudden I'm over here thinking about them in a wrong way and not realizing I just got played. I just got played. 
And then all of a sudden, if I follow that, see, if I didn't know what the basics of the Bible was, and I follow that and I started talking about that person or, or, or thinking and meditating on them as a problem, and they're anointed and called, all of a sudden I find myself against what God is doing, and I set myself up to be not in the blessed place, but, but following a path of, of cursing. I don't want to get there. I don't want to put myself there. We don't want to do that either. It is important. Amen? Amen. Amen. So one of the things that you see, that's not really my message, but I want, it, it is funny. And the Lord tells us to resist. So when you see stuff happening like that, it's not that the devil's ever going to stop being the devil. He's going to be the devil. He's going to come against. He's going to try to attack. You know, he's going to have people come on the, on, you know, on the property. Uh, he's going to try to. He's going to try to have people come on the property and, and, and leave number twos, right? I mean, that's literally what happened. And, um, and, and then covered it up with napkins that made it better or something. But um, anyway, he's going to try and do stuff like that to get in your head, right? right? Thank y'all. <laughs> I know this is not what you want to be known for. <laughs> but thank you for handling it. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Lisa sent us a text. She was like, um, you're not going to believe this. I was like, well, I might. We've seen a lot of stuff over the years. And uh, anyway, that was a first. Hadn't had that happen before. But you don't just leave it there. You deal with it, right? You handle it spiritually. Like, all right, that's enough of that. That's it. That's it. And uh, I get that way when it comes to you guys. As, as members of this body, and I see the devil trying to mess and get in there, whoo, oh, I, I feel that righteous indignation rise up inside of me. I'm like, uh-uh, no, that has to stop. So I'll be praying throughout the week. Uh, but as a body as well, if I see ongoing attacks, it's time to put it to an end. And when we agree together in unity, it must be so. The devil's going to be the devil, but our job is to be Christians and to resist him, firm in our faith and having done all, stand. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. All right. First Peter chapter four. We've been here for a while. If you remember this whole, if you remember this whole chapter is basically about suffering. Okay. And we talked about Persecution and suffering is not how it's been preached many times. Persecution, let me read off uh, the definition that I wrote down. Persecution is a harassment from the world because of Jesus. Finding presence on your property, that's persecution. It is. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's persecution. Uh, because of Jesus, you know, because of Jesus... Here's, here's some persecution. It can be people talking about you. It can be different things. That's persecution. Here's the other thing, suffering. And suffering is a spirit-led life overcoming perceived hardships. They're not hardships if we'll focus in the spirit and not in the flesh. If we focus on the perceived hardship in the flesh, it is hard. But if we focus on it in the spirit, it's easy and light. Okay? If we focus on it in the flesh, it's hard. 
But if we focus on it in the spirit, it's easy and light. Over years, uh, even the leadership team has looked at times, they're like, you know, Pastor Brian, Nicole, how do you handle all this stuff? How is it not weighing on you? How are you still happy? How is this going on? I've had other ministers do the same. Because we're not attacking them in the flesh, we're attacking them in the spirit. We're handling, and our spirit man has the capacity to handle things at a supernatural level. Yeah. Our spirit man has the capacity to handle things at a supernatural level, right? And who am I talking to? Am I just talking to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? No, no. And write that down and bring it back to me. Our spirit man has the capacity to handle things at a supernatural level, right? So what I'm not just talking to ministers. I'm talking to every believer. You are made in the image and the likeness of God, and you have a spiritual capacity that when even hardships come up, we go to Jesus, take him by the hand in the spirit, and it's easy and light. It's easy and light. Do I have any people that are tired of having it hard and heavy, and they're ready for it to be easy and light? Anybody receive? Yeah. All right. Then we, then we can't go about things in the flesh. We can't go about things just in our mind. No, we've got to approach them by taking Jesus by the hand. Now, when we take Jesus by the hand, it's not just Jesus does everything for us. It's that Jesus has empowered us to walk in his authority. He paid the price. It is finished. It's not like he just comes in and, you know, beat about a boom magic. That's not what we're talking about, right? No, we're talking about I take him by the hand. I see who he is. I see what he's done. I see the price that he's paid. I see that I'm healed. I see that I'm strong. I see that I'm delivered. And I see in him I have authority. No power of the enemy will overcome me. So when we take him by the hand, we're seeing what he has already accomplished. And we're walking like that. I see in the flesh... In the flesh, we walk like this. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, oh. You know, and, and we walk like that. But when we walk by the Spirit, we're going to walk like Him. He was the firstborn of many brethren. And we're going to walk with a confidence and a boldness. Go into the book of Acts. Go into the book of Acts. What do you see over and over again in the apostles? Boldness. What separated them from normal men? They could tell, Acts chapter 4, they could tell that these, these were uneducated men. But when they saw the boldness that was on them, they knew they had been with Jesus. Why? Because they were walking like Jesus. They were looking like Jesus. It's who they were now because they, they took the yoke of Jesus, not the yoke of mere mortal men. They took the yoke of Jesus and started walking with him. And now it became easy and light. Amen? How many people want easy and light? And we got to walk like him, think like him, act like him. Just imagine this. You know, when the, the word gives us an idea of this, that when we walk and talk like Jesus and we receive who we are in Christ, the word gives us this kind of picture that we're clothed in his glory. We're clothed in his glory, right? We're clothed in his glory. A bright light. We should walk and talk in such a way 
that if the devil can't see our physical dimensions, he couldn't tell it wasn't Jesus. He couldn't tell. Amen. You know, we, now, now watch this. Uh, I need, let's see how to do this. All right, buddy, come here. And let me get uh, Chris and Mark and bring a, bring a towel. Come here. We'll just come, come right over here. All right. Turn this way. You guys, one on each side of him. Hold the towel up in front of his face. Now, see, we can't, if we didn't know that I put him back there, you wouldn't hardly be able to tell. But now, let's say he gets an attack, and uh, all of a sudden, he gets an attack on his finances. And, and, wow. and, yeah, and, and he goes, and, and he's not thinking and talking like Jesus. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Now, see, looking on, give me a mic. Let's help you out. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? All right. And then the devil can sit here and be like, oh, that ain't Jesus. Jesus don't talk like that. Yeah. Uh, let's throw some more of him. Now we're going to hit him with some sickness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> now, now let's, let's throw, and I want you to say what a fleshly mind would say. Now let's throw some uh, tragic nightmares on them. Uh, uh, and all of a sudden he's uh, worried and concerned I'm about so his family. I'm so worried and concerned about my family. He's located himself as a target, has he not? Does the devil know where Jesus isn't? Does the devil know where to keep throwing some stuff? But when we're renewed in the mind of Christ and we know who we are and all of a sudden the devil attacks his finances, what, what's said then? Uh, I'm overcoming this. Am I holy now or not? You're holy now. I'm holy now. Yeah, okay. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches. Now say it with some boldness and some confidence. Like my God it came straight from heaven. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm was, stepping into all sufficiency. He's speaking the word. What did Jesus do? He only spoke what God, what God said. Now, the devil doesn't know. He's covered up with his glory. He can't tell. He's like, this looks like, you know, this looks like Jesus. This sounds like Jesus. He's walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus. All of a sudden, a sickness tries to come on him during the day. Oh, no, I'm the healer of the Lord. Amen. By his stripes, I am healed in Jesus' yeah. name. The demons are like, man, I can't tell who this is. And then he uses the name above every name. Jesus. In the name. In, the, in name. the name. It's like, oh, that's Jesus. We can't mess with that. We don't know who it is. All of a sudden, he, he tries one more time to throw some, some nightmares of tragedy and stuff like that. 
Oh, no, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. You Get have thee the behind mind me, of Satan. What'd you do? Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. What does that sound like? Who does that sound like? Whose authority is that? Yeah, now, and the devil has no other option but to listen. But it can't be. Now, if he's sitting back there quoting scripture with a question mark, you remember in Acts when the seven sons of Sceva, like, in the name that Paul preaches, right? In the, right, they, they didn't know who they were. They had heard who they were, but they didn't know. They weren't in their authority. They weren't in their boldness. Now, what I want you to see is the devil doesn't know. The devil doesn't have insight into everything. The word says that we are in the secret place of God. That's secret from the devil. He can't see us. He can't locate us unless we locate ourselves. Yeah. See, if we locate ourselves and our fleshly thoughts and worries and concerns and we're, oh God, oh, I don't know what's going to then all of a sudden we've located ourselves and it's like, there he is. Hit him, boys. <laughs> but see, when we start talking like Jesus, we find that hidden place of God. The devil's looking around, can't even see him. Doesn't know how to attack him. Why? Because he looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, walking like Jesus, with a boldness they could tell they've been with Jesus. Amen. They're carrying something. Man, if I tangle with this guy, all of a sudden I might get some of that glory that comes off and, and throws a few blows towards me as a demonic force, you see? See, if I'm tangled with this guy, he knows who he is. He knows where he's located. That glory, I, I recognize that glory. I recognize that name. I don't want to tangle with that, a demon would say. I don't want to mess with that. They're going to hand me my tail, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, amen. Thank you, guys. So suffering is going through a perceived hardship. A hardship will come, suffering will come, Jesus told us that, but he made us overcomers. He made us more than conquerors. And even in the midst of a suffering and a hardship, there's something on the inside of a believer. See, there was a deposit when you got born again. There was a seed of the Son of God that was put inside of you. Something is different about you when you're born again. There's something on the inside of you that, if you will let it, will stand up against the suffering. Up, It'll stand up against that attack. So we can't keep running. We can't keep going, oh, Lord, you know, and, and, and we can't keep doing that. We've got to take a stand. This whole chapter is about suffering and persecution. Hear this again. Persecution, harassment from the world because of Jesus. There's persecution, then there's great persecution. In Acts, they started suffering great persecution where they were dragging them out of the house and they were putting them in jail and seeking to kill them. That was great persecution. We do have persecution in America more now than I ever remember in my lifetime, but it's not great persecution here yet. You go over to Nigeria, they're in great persecution, especially like northern uh, Nigeria and some parts of eastern Nigeria. But that's happening in different places and pockets all over the world. Great persecution. We should praise God. We're not in great persecution. Praise God. 
we're not in great persecution. Suffering, a spirit-led life overcoming perceived hardships derived from going through this life of fleshly corruption. Jesus says, I'm not going to remove you from the world, but Lord, keep them from evil in John 17. In other words, we still have a corrupted world to go through, but we can walk in easy and light. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The issue is, do we walk like him, talk like him, think like him? If we'll do that, we take his yoke and it becomes easy and light. Then we're doing supernatural things, but it's easy and light on us, right? Because we're focused on doing it through the spirit, a spirit-led life, not doing it by the flesh. I'm telling you, the world has been a great teacher of how to live by the flesh. And we've got to erase that thinking. We've got to change that thinking. We've got to turn that around. All right, I was taught, just, just get it in you and understand the world taught you very well how to live by the flesh and the things that you have not already renewed your mind to, you need to take time to renew your mind to this word of God so that you don't walk by the flesh anymore. You don't walk by emotion anymore. You don't walk by anything that the world has presented. You walk by the spirit of the living God. That's where your victory is. That's where your overcoming is. This whole chapter is about this. And when we get to the final few verses, you'll see that it's all been about this. But he says this. He says, arm yourself with suffering. And we talked about that the very first week. Arm yourself with suffering. What that means is, if I will start living by the Spirit and stop living by the flesh, I become a power the devil has got no answer for. I arm myself. In other words, I'm not trying to get my flesh's way all the time. I'm not trying to get my flesh's way all the time. What am I doing? I'm going after the Spirit. I'm going after the Spirit. Some, you know, just I think about uh, uh, fasting and I think about different things like that. You know, you should know, and, and, and not saying this to tell you who I am, but I want to give you an idea. I want to give you an idea of something. I've watched people over the years, and uh, we, Nicole and I both have done some extended fasting. Many of you here have done some extended fasting. Uh, but Many times when you start out fasting and going after the Lord, uh, it's really tough on people because they're so used to living by the flesh and their flesh is screaming when you take away that fleshly food. Now, I've watched before. It gets to be like somebody's used to eating at, at noontime. They're used to eating at noontime. And I'll watch and come about noontime, they start getting fidgety. You know, they start getting fidgety. And, and man, if it gets to be 1230, oh, they are fit. They are hangry. And, and if it gets to be 1, oh, my goodness, 1.30, 2 o'clock, and they are just like, you know, and, and y'all never, never met anybody like that? Now, watch this. I've watched this happen. We're right in the middle of ministering to somebody freedom. And that person, and it's 1230, they're used to eating at noon. And they will break up 
the freedom coming to that person because they, they can't control their flesh. Because yeah. their flesh has more of a voice than the freedom of the Spirit of God in that person. Yeah. I've watched it happen time and time and time again. Time and time again I've watched it happen. And people don't realize. People don't realize how important it is to put the flesh down. Stop living by the flesh. You got to get control of that thing. Amen. Now I understand. I understand when somebody can, they can be worn out or they're going through a physical battle and you know blood sugar gets low and stuff like that. Okay, pop a mint in your mouth or whatever needs to happen. But do something. But don't leave. Don't don't seek your stomach first over the kingdom of God. He gives us a command: seek first the kingdom, that person's freedom. You remember, you remember in um, the New Testament where Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath? And they were so concerned about the law that they missed that the person got free. Right. Happened a couple of times. They missed the point that this daughter of Abraham got free, that the man who had been, who had been uh, crippled all his life got healed. They missed this point. Why? Because they're more concerned with the flesh and the logical than they are the kingdom of God. So many times the suffering that we go through is made harder by our own habits and our own concerns in the flesh. And if we will put on the spirit of God and seek first the kingdom of righteousness, we arm ourselves and we make the way of God easy and light. Easy and light. You know, I know when it comes on Sunday... This is why I say this. When it comes on Sunday morning and I preach, if I finish at noontime, that's a pretty good day for y'all. That generally doesn't happen, but generally we're here till 1230 or 1 each time, you know, two and a half or three hour service or whatever. I, I, it made me happy the first time I saw it. As soon as we finished the offering, people figured it out. Like, all right, go to the bathroom now and come back and be prepared for the service. They, they were honoring the word, right? They were honoring. I like that. I like they were saying, let me figure out a way that I can honor the word yeah. and honor that. That's awesome. That's awesome. But what are we here for? Are we here just to have a long service? No. I'll cut it short. Yeah. I'll cut it short. Even last week at the Holy Ghost service. Yeah. Last week at the Holy Ghost service, it was two hours. I finished right around two hours. It went a little bit further with that in ministry. But I was done two hours in. Normally it's been three hours easy on that service. But we're not here for a time clock. We're here for Jesus. Right. We're here for the Holy Ghost. We're here for Him. And I've watched it. So a lot of times I've watched it, especially when our service started at 11 and not 10, right? I've watched it. It got past 12, and people started getting And their stomachs like this. And, and, and I'll watch them, and they'll get hungry, and they'll get antsy. And then they start getting hangry, and, then, you know, and, and different things like that. And I know they just haven't dealt with that stuff. They're used to it a certain way. Now, I understand that. I understand also just having habits of it as well. And, uh, but I, what I want you to see is this, is on Sunday mornings, I never eat. So if anybody's hungry, I for sure am. I don't eat breakfast on Sunday mornings. I always fast before I come in here. I fast every Sunday morning that I'm preaching. 
The only time I, I ate one meal not too long ago because somebody else was preaching on Sunday morning. I was like, I can eat this morning. But I'm fasting for this service. I'm fasting for you to be healed. I'm fasting uh, for bodies to, to be well, for people to come to the Lord. And so if anybody's hungry at 12 or 1230 or 1, I'm definitely hungry, Right? And this is something that we want to look at and we want to watch is we are not going to win and be an overcomer living by the flesh. And we're not called to be flesh-minded and flesh-led. We're called to be spirit-minded and spirit-led. Romans 8 says this, the mindset on the flesh is death. In other words, life evades a person whose mind is set on that. But uh, life comes to the person whose mind is set on the Spirit. So what we should constantly be doing as people that look like Christ, sound like Christ, is we're constantly moving to the things of the kingdom and the things of the Spirit more and more and more and more. We're walking by that. Amen? So this whole chapter is on suffering and persecution, not that you lose, not that it hurts, not that it's hard, but through Christ, you win. Through Christ, you overcome. Through Christ, you conquer. That's what it's talking about. And then when we go on down, and let's go to verse 7. If we arm ourselves with suffering or the putting down of the flesh, we'll do these things right. Verse 7 says this, The end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Now this was written approximately 2,000 years ago. How much nearer is the end of all things right now? We're on the verge. Has anybody ever seen a time like we're having right now? Y'all remember when preachers used to say, in the last days, right will be wrong and wrong will be right. You remember hearing preachers years ago say that? Have you ever seen it like it is today? I've never seen such a mess as it is today. I mean, people just straight up lying like it's the truth. Like you just said this last week wasn't so, and this week you're saying it is so, and people giving them a pass. Like it's amazing what's going on right now. Things that are evil, and people are saying, this is good. Things that are so good, and they're saying, this is evil. Right. Man, we're in it. The, de the decline of morality over the last few years, we need an awakening. Oh, man, we need an awakening. Yeah. Hear me when I say, we're not just in the last days. According to that Bible, and according to Bible prophecy, we are in the last of the last days. I mean, we are on the edge. Do you understand? Jesus could come any time. What does he say? There's nothing. He's not waiting for any prophecy for him to return for the rapture of the church. There's some stuff that needs to happen before he comes down the second time and sets up the millennial reign. But for him to rapture the church, that can be any second. We're not waiting on any prophecy to come to pass. Any second. The end of all things is near. And what does Hebrews tell us about you guys? You're awesome. You're here this morning. But what does Hebrews tell us as the time gets near? What does it tell us to do? It says, as it gets closer, gather all the more. Assemble all the more. Right? 
and encourage one another. Encourage one another. Now, I want you to see this. Not only should we gather, but I should be an encouragement. Now, I get to do that as a minister. If you receive that encouragement and receive the word of life each week, I get to do that. But let's take me out of the picture for a second. Are you encouraging Barrett? Are you encouraging Lisa? Are you encouraging someone else? Are you encouraging someone else? Are you encouraging them to walk like Christ, to, to look like Christ? Hey, you got this. I know you've been going through an attack. Are we bringing our faith, our hope, and our love, or are we just checking the box by being here? Yeah. See, number one, we need to be here. Number two, the Word commands us to be an encouragement. Right. It's time to be an encouragement to one another, to lift each other up. Not pull down, not encouraged to do worldly, corrupted, and fleshly things, which is happening in a lot of churches. Oh, that's all right. God doesn't mind if you keep on doing that. He does mind. He doesn't mind if you don't have faith on that. He knows how hard it is. He does mind if you don't have faith. A lack of faith is sin. He does mind. The disciples are in the boat. It's a demonic storm trying to kill them. Disciples are in the boat. Demonic storm trying to kill them. They're concerned for their life. Soon as it's handled, what does Jesus say? You of little faith. He does mind. We need to be faithful. We need to be found faithful. We need to be found in love. We need to be found in hope. The end of all things is near. Look at this. It is not a time to play games. If ever there were a time to not play around with the attacks of the enemy, now's that time. Why am I preaching like this? I do love you. Amen. <laughs> and you're not the only one. She said, because I needed it. And you're not the only one. Need the encouragement. Need the strength of the word. Need the boldness of God. You're not the only ones. And the moment that you think you don't need it, you do need it. If you don't think you need it, there's already deception at work. Why am I preaching like this? I've found that the Lord always prepares his people. There's always a preparation of his people. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a message come by, I'll preach on joy, and all of a sudden that week, man, the devil runs rampant trying to steal joy. But if people go back to the message that was preached on Sunday morning and lived it out, they'll walk right through. They'll, they'll suffer and go right through. They'll suffer correctly, not suffer wrongly. And they'll walk right through unscathed. Right? The Lord prepares His people. It's time because the end of all things is near. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be a hard time. I'm telling you so that when things happen to other people, you got it easy and light. You're walking and you're shining and you're, you're showing out the glory of God. And even the world will say, the Lord has done great things for Boomerang. Look, they keep getting new cars and they ain't cheap ones. They're expensive ones. The Lord keeps blessing them. They keep getting jobs and they keep getting favor and promotions and bonuses. How do they have that house? Because they keep walking with the Lord. He who wins souls is wise and he pays the harvesters wages. They're a soul winning church. 
I've got some souls to put on our soul count. We're well over 400 commitments to Christ this year. Well over that. We're a soul winning church. Win souls and make disciples for Jesus. He pays wages to harvesters. He pays wages. Man, that's a blessed church. They hear the word of the Lord. The Lord says it's a year of increase, and they don't just leave that word there. No, they grab a hold. It is, you said it's our year of increase? Okay, yes, sir. By faith, I receive increase. How many people have a new car out in the parking lot? Look at that. Look. <laughs> that's not normal. That's not normal. It is his normal. But it's not in the world. People notice things like that. And if you don't have one yet, just keep going. You're in the same line. You're in the same line. Do I have any people you're in the same line? And you're going to receive. You're going to walk in it. Glory to God. Why does he want you to have that stuff? Your life is a testimony of God's goodness. People look at your life to see if your Lord is worth following. People look at your life and see it. He says the end of all things is near. It is not time to play games. Therefore, be of sound judgment, sensible, exercise self-control, curb one's passions. Now look, look at this direct command from God. Because the end is near, make sure that you have sound judgment. Make sure that you are sensible. Don't be drunk on the deceptions of a corrupted world. Be sober-minded. Exercise self-control. Your flesh is going to want to do things that it shouldn't do. Tell it no. Curb one's passions. Where your flesh has a, a desire to go do this and get this thing done. It can even be something that God's going to give you later on. But you have your flesh and you know the time's not right yet. Don't step out into it. Put your passion down. Let the Lord be the builder of your house. Let the Lord be that provider. And be of sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Now watch this. You can't pray right. If our mind is out of control, you're going to be praying for the wrong things. You're going to be praying all about yourself. You won't be praying for the kingdom. You won't be praying for souls. You'll be praying about yourself, yourself. God says, seek first my kingdom and I'll add all the stuff to you. See, the issue is the time is near. Watch this. God needs some prayers. Let me tell you, I was so encouraged this morning. I was to the, the, the corporate prayer this morning. We have corporate prayer every Sunday morning at 8.15, from 8.15 to 9.15. Man, the people that came and prayed, they were praying this morning. I was sitting there, and I, I, I got about halfway through it, and I was like, glory to God. I'm uplifted. You might not know it, prayers that were here. You encouraged me this morning. You, you did what that scripture said. You encouraged me by being here, by praying out the will of God. Because God, what he's saying is when that time gets near, he needs some people praying and not drunk on the world's items, but he needs them sober for the, kings, for the kingdom of God. 
for the advancing of his kingdom. He needs some prayers that know how to put their flesh down. He needs some prayers that know how to think properly and to curb their passion. That they are of a, of a sober spirit. He needs some prayers. Why? Because that's how he releases his power into the earth. Go into James chapter 5. You see that there is a dynamic power that's released. Tremendous power in the Amplified. Dynamic in all of its working. How? Through the prayer of righteous people. Through the prayer of righteous people that avails much. He says this, verse 8. Above all, keep fervent. Now just... Now, this is the Lord. Is, is he talking to you? If God's talking to you right here in this verse, raise your hand. Is God talking to you in this verse? If you're a Christian, he's talking to you. So again, if God's talking to you, raise your hand. Say, he's talking to me. Now, look at this. Because the end of all things is near, verse 8, above all, keep fervent. I just want you to see that. Keep fervent. That word fervent means boiling, earnest, intentional, stretched out. In other words, I don't just sit there and let it come to me. Oh God, if you'll just bless me, I'll do all this stuff. No, I'm stretching out. I'm, I'm keeping fervent. How many people you've ever been so hot for God that you've scared other people? You've been so hot for God, you scared other people. You were boiling. You were fervent. How many people, you've been hot for God before, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll represent all of us. You've been hot for God, and if you haven't ever been hot for God, you ought to try it. It's awesome. It's really cool. It's really, really cool. But how many people, you've been hot for God, and, and then you found yourself, and, you, and you, you, you just weren't hot for God? I have. I don't want to tell you how many times I've found myself that way. And over time, if you find yourself that way, there's an answer though. But right here, God is commanding us, be fervent. Be fervent. Be boiling in your love. Be stretched out. In other words, I can't just sit back and let it come to me. I've got to stretch out for the things of God. I've got to stretch out for the things of God. I've got to stretch myself for the things of God. I've got to stay boiling. I can't be inactive. I can't just be sitting there stationary waiting on God. No, I've got to get a hold of Him. I, the Lord's commanding us, go after me with everything. Go after me. And most of my life I was under a deception of revelation where it talks about I'd rather you be cold or hot. But don't be lukewarm because I'll spew you out of my mouth. In other words, I'll throw up the lukewarm person. And, and I thought, you know, it's kind of like hot, lukewarm, cold. Cold's the worst. But that's not, the deception was, that's not actually the worst. Cold, think about this. Somebody who's cold for God was not the worst. It was the one who was lukewarm for God. He actually, in his context, put the cold person above. You know why? Because if you're hot, you make somebody make a decision. If you're cold, you bring somebody to a decision. But if you're lukewarm, you draw them into that lukewarm water and they become inactive. Non-fervent, non-boiling. God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold because at least then you cause people to make a decision. 
but lukewarm. That's why the devil will leave a lukewarm church alone. There's not many lukewarm churches that have somebody, you know, leaving a, leaving a present on the sidewalk. Why? He'll leave lukewarm churches alone. Why? Because they're doing his job for him. Lulling the people to sleep. Lulling the people to sleep so that they won't be fervent and active for the things of God. Their faith won't be fervent. Their love won't be fervent. Their hope won't be fervent. Their serving won't be fervent. God says that the end of all things is near. Be fervent. Stretch yourself out for this. And then specifically here, he says, stretch yourself out. Watch this. Look at your neighbor real quick. He says, stretch yourself out in your love for one another. The person that stretches you. <laughs> That's who God's talking about right there. Stretch, be fervent in your love to all your brothers and sisters. Even when you don't feel about feel like doing it. <sighs> I can hear it. I hear it in your spirit right now. Dang it. <laughs> I can hear it. I hear it. Somebody's like, get out of my head, preacher. I, don't, don't tell me. I'm not even going to look at you right now, but I can, sit, I can hear it in my, dang it. I didn't want to do that. Above all, above all. Above all. Who's talking? Who's he talking to? Jesus talking by the Holy Ghost. Who's he talking to? All of us. Above all, be fervent in your love to one another. And your flesh is like, That's what flesh does. Well, what's the whole chapter about? Arming yourself. Arming yourself by putting down the flesh. That's the whole chapter. Suffer. Man, I don't want to suffer. Oh, you actually do. You want to go through, but you want to do it by the Spirit. It stinks when you do it by the flesh. You do it by the flesh, it doesn't work. Above all, be fervent in your love towards one another. Is this Jesus talking? Is this God talking? Is he talking to us? Is this a command form? Is this something that should be optional? Above all, keep fervent in your love towards one another. Above all, because love covers a multitude of sins. I, I said this a few weeks ago, love keeps us from seeing other sins. In other words, if I will be fervent in my love and stretch out my love towards someone, even when they mess up, it doesn't bother me. Sometimes Nicole's made comments. She was like, I don't know how you have the grace and the patience to oversee that. And I'm like, it's because I've done this. I haven't always done it right. I'm not saying I did it right yesterday. But I always have this on my heart because that's what love does. 
And it allows you to overlook even when they mess up. It allows you to be like, that's no big deal. You want to get to the place, I've said this many times, where somebody does something to you, it's like water off a duck's back. It runs right off, hangs it. There's no residual of that hurt. There's no residual of that pain. It just runs right off of you. There's no residual of unforgiveness. It just runs right off of you. Like it wasn't even there. And so fast. No residual. How can you do that? When you purpose and you're intentional in your heart to give to God, He'll give you grace to do it. And we purpose in our intention in our heart to be fervent, stretch out our love, keep it boiling towards one another. When you do sin against me, I don't even see it. Doesn't even, doesn't even resonate with me. Doesn't even have an effect. Can you get there? You can. There's hope. <laughs> I love Amy. Amy's like, I'm new at this, and I'm not good at it yet, and I know it, but I'm working on it, and I'm sitting here, and I'm listening. I'm not going to tell you I'm amen you yet. I know where I am. Amen. Am I right? <laughs> I love that. Not coming in, giving me the spiritual resume. Oh, I'm so holy. I just, I can do everything. I, I get words, uh, you know, word of, of wisdom all the time. You should hear me, Pastor. I, like, if you've got gifts, they'll show themselves. You ain't got to tell me about them. They'll come out just like that. But when somebody just like, I'm a mess. And I know I'm a mess. And I need help. Help me. Help. Help, right? I'm a mess. Help me. That person will grow leaps and bounds. See, that was the problem that the Pharisees had. They, they had all these people coming in being honest. They didn't know what to do with them because they were putting on the show for somebody. They had actually retracted and gone backwards into corruption because of their pharisaical thinking, their legalistic thinking. They got so fleshly they couldn't even recognize the Messiah that they'd been looking for for generations, they didn't even recognize him when he stood in front of them. And yet here were these people didn't know nothing about God, worshiping the King of kings, Lord of lords, now in eternity, and did great and mighty things for him. Acts chapter 4. They knew they were uneducated men. But when they saw their boldness for Jesus, they knew they'd been with Jesus. See, God can take uneducated. God can take people that ain't been in church all their life. If they just humble themselves, they're fervent in their love towards one another, they, they keep their love stretched out, God can say, I can, I can do something with that. I can do something with that. You don't have to be the smartest. don't have to be the one that grew up in church. But even if you are, whether you grew up in church or not, just turn your heart. Lord, I'm yours. Oh, there's something that happens when we, when we lay ourselves on the altar. There's something that happens when we say, Lord, I'm yours. Yeah. Stretched out in our love. Here's the other thing. If, if love covers a multitude of sins, if we'll start walking in love and we're stretched out in our love, we won't sin. It'll cover our own sin. We won't sin. Verse 9, the, uh, going back to verse 7, the end of all things is near. So, verse 9, be hospitable to one another Without complaint. 
Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Like, I've watched it. You're at a church fun function. You're having a, a meal that day. And, and somebody, you know, they're serving the green beans. Oh, glory to God. Bless your heart. And inside they're going, you slumish. Y'all never seen that? I've seen it. I grew up in church. I grew up in the hypocrisy of it. Yep. They're smiling. But inside they're complaining about that person. He said, be hospitable. Now, I want you to see this. If God told us to do it, can we do it? Can we do it? Can we walk it out and actually be hospitable and without complaint, literally have none of that in our head? None of that. We can do it because he told us we can. How many people, you know, we want to see, he told me I can be healed, so I'm the healed of the Lord. We'll grab a hold of a promise. He told me I can be prosperous, so I'm prospering in Jesus' name. Uh, he, he told me I could be hospitable, so I'm, <laughs> I can be hospitable without complaint. Where'd our faith go? Oh, we were amen and hallelujah you know, a second ago. Oh, I thought we were faith people. We can be, every time I say the word hospitable, I, I think of Bugs Bunny. <laughs> hospitable. <laughs> Suffering succotash. <laughs> That's funny, that fits. Suffering. Suffering succotash. <laughs> Yosemite Sam. So our faith is, yeah, thank you, Daffy Duck. So our faith is there for healing. Our faith is there for prosperity, but for love stretching out towards one another and being hospitable without complaint. Where did our faith go? Are we faith people? Did he say it? I, see, why am I preaching this? I'm building your faith to be hospitable. <laughs> I'm building your faith to be hospitable. You go, I can do that? Did you know? Now we do. I can be hospitable and not even have a complaint in my head? You can. I just read it in the Bible. The Holy Ghost said it. I can do that? If you apply faith to it, you can. Just say it with me right now. I know, I know the words in the past may have had a hard time coming off of your lips, but just, just say it, pray it pray, by faith. Let's just pray it right now. Say, Lord, I receive hospitality towards other believers without complaint. I'll walk in it and it'll be easy. I receive it. Now, I'm not waiting on it. I have hospitality now without complaint. <laughs> the Lord done set y'all up. <laughs> he done set you up. Well, I know this. I've been in church all my life. I know that. That's why I'm preaching it, because we don't know it like we think we know it. If we knew it like we think we know it, church would look different. 
we're not here to check off everything that's been accomplished. We're here to change culture. And the culture has not been this. The culture has not been this. So in order for culture to change, there's got to be a group of people that says, I'll do everything God told me to do. I will do it to the utmost, and I will be an example of it that his glory may shine, that people may see our love and know that Jesus is, is Lord. There's got to be a people that says, we'll not just get good at receiving new cars. We'll get good at receiving the, the strength and the grace to be hospitable. We'll not just be good at receiving our healing. We'll be good at receiving the grace to walk in love and stretch out our love and never let it drop. Let it keep stretched out. We'll be good at all of this stuff. We won't just amen it. We'll be purposed to do it. You know, sometimes you can get revelation of something and you'll push into it and you'll have it, but then you hadn't heard it preached in a long time or you just haven't actively, intentionally, purposefully applied it in a while and you, without knowing it, you'll go backwards in it and, and you used to be so loving, but now you're the one that everybody walks on eggshells around. Right? I've, I've done that. I've done that. I've been that guy, had a revelation of love. And then been the guys like, don't, pastor's here. Shh, don't bother him. Like people are avoiding. Man, that doesn't look like Christ. The devil's located me easy. I wasn't hidden and in the secret place of God. It was easy to see me and my flesh. So we need ongoing preaching about these things. It's not what we comprehend in our mind. It's what we catch in our spirit and we're empowered by faith to walk out. Verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, every single one of us has a gift in God. And as the end draws near, all the more we should be giving our gift to the body. Yeah. I want you to see this. That this and watch, watch what he says, and be a good steward of it. See, if we're not using our gifts, we're a bad steward. And remember the parable? He says, well done, good and faithful steward. Apparently being a steward is very important to God. Important enough to put a parable in the Bible about it to make sure that we understand being a good steward is important. And if we have gifts, but we're not allowing those gifts to operate at life group and on Sunday morning drawing on faith, then we are not being a good steward. And, and here's what he says. He said, I love this. The manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. Do you realize a manifold, if you don't know this, a lot of times a manifold, uh, what, where you'll see it is on a car. There's an idea of the manifold. And, and so on a car you have the different cylinders in the engine. And then each cylinder will have an exhaust that'll come out of that one cylinder, then it'll come into the manifold. And that's where all of it blends and all of the exhaust blend and comes together and then goes out the exhaust pipe. Just, this is a general idea. If I said something wrong, you know, Eddie will have to forgive me. He knows all about cars. All right, so, it, it, but it, blend, it takes all the different stuff 
and it blends it together. What this verse shows us is if we don't come together and we're not in our place that God has placed us in and we're not utilizing our gifts, then something's missing. God has designed this body of boomerang and he's brought in certain people and placed them to be a gift to the body. And without your gift in operation, somebody's going to be missing something. But if we will do it right, then all of a sudden every person will bring that gift of faith, that, that gift of love, that gift of giving. They'll bring the word of wisdom, word of knowledge. They'll bring that at just the right moment. And then and it'll bless this person and bless that person. Everybody will have nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. Amen. Isn't that what church is supposed to look like? God has a manifold grace to get to us. Every joint supplying. Verse 11, because the end is near, whoever speaks is to do so as the one who is speaking the utterances of God. In other words, when we speak, we shouldn't speak of our own accord. If you're born again, if you're born again, how many of us are ambassadors? When an ambassador goes to another country and represents his, his home country, does he act and speak for himself, the individual? Who does he act for? Who does he speak for? He speaks for that country. He speaks for that royalty, that leadership. That ambassador doesn't have a right to speak his own mind because he represents that country. That's his job. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. And so when we speak, we should speak for God. And the word says this, that we will be judged for every idle word. That means every word that doesn't produce for the kingdom of God. See, we got to stop just throwing stuff around because it's funny. Th throwing stuff around just because it sounds good. I was on a, in a conversation the other day and somebody said something and and uh, I had some other people with me, and they heard it. And as soon as that person said something, the other people cringed. They went, oh, that was horrible what they just said. And that person said it because they thought it was funny. They, they didn't realize they, they're supposed to be representing God. See, we're just throwing out, like it, we throw stuff out to make us sound cool, to be cool. We're ambassadors. Who, me? Yeah, I am, but you are. All of us, we are ambassadors for Christ. And he says, let the person, because the end is near, let the person who speaks, speak the utterances of God. The utterance of God. In other words, he's not just talking to the pastor here, he's talking to the whole church. Speak the utterances of God. If it's not God and Jesus wouldn't say it, then we probably shouldn't say it. We probably shouldn't say it. Slow to speak, quick to listen. We, we've got to speak. Can you see the responsibility here 
of putting on, what are we doing? What are we getting rid of in these verses? The operations of the flesh. And what we're doing is we're properly going through the suffering. If you'll put on the operations of the spirit and not the operations of the flesh, you'll walk right through and not suffer like the world suffers. No, you'll go through and it'll be easy and light. Not only will it be easy and light, but you'll be a light to the world and a pillar of truth. You'll be a light. Whoever serves is to do so who, who is serving by the strength which God supplies. Now watch this. Seeing who I can pick on. Come here, come here, buddy. <laughs> just, just stand here. Now let's say that as, as pastor, the Lord's spoken to me, and, and the Lord speaks to me and says, all right, you're to, I'm just going to make up some stuff, okay? But let's say that he says, you're supposed to lead youth. You're supposed to be on the broadcast every day. Right? These are things you're already doing. You're supposed to help me when I go somewhere and help, help go through, make phone calls, pay attention to the Sunday morning uh, services, things like that. But I also want you to uh, be in prayer four hours a day. I want you to read your Bible two hours a day. I want you, I want you to be in fellowship with God on your own, just sitting there for an hour a day. And I want you to uh, serve and clean the church. I want you to mow the yard. I want you to, right? All right, so very quickly, we're filling up the timeline, right? Very quickly, we're filling up what he has the capability of doing, right? How many people have ever been serving God and that's what it felt like God kept doing? Right? All right, now here's the issue. Now God knows what you can do and God knows what you can't do. So God's not going to give you more than you should. I, I exaggerated so it felt like it was a lot. But here's what I want you to see. Look at this verse. It says, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So if God's speaking and God has ordained it, he has a strength and a supply to give you everything you need to make that happen. And what happens most of the times is we start hearing that list and our brain starts flipping out. Our brain starts going, I can't do that. I can't do that. If God asked you, I'm, I'm just gave you an example list. But if God told you to do that, you could do it. You could do it. Why? Because he said to. Because there's a supply in his word. So many times what's happened is, thank you, sir. Many times what's happened, if you went to the gym. If I went to the gym right now and started pressing, you know, barbells and, and, and doing the bench press, you know, I might could get the bar up. I might could get the bar up because I hadn't been working on it. I hadn't been practicing in that. But if you told me right now, go in there and I want you to bench press 400 pounds, what would that look like to me? What? 400 pounds? That ain't happening. I'd be happy if I got up 50 400? No way! Now, is the issue that I can't do 400 pounds? Or is the issue that I can't do it right? I haven't been able to do it. 
See, the issue is I haven't been able to do it. But if I will say, Lord, you're going to supply. You're going to help me. And I trust you to grow this. Right now I'm only at 30. And I'm going to trust you to go to 35. Lord, and I get to 35. Lord, I trust you for, for 50. Lord, I trust you for 100. Lord, I trust you for 150. Lord, I trust you for 200. Lord, I trust you for 250. Lord, I trust you for 300. Lord, I trust you for 350. Lord, I trust you to 400. Lord, I trust you for 400. 50. Is that where you want me to go? Give me the word and I will serve by your supply, not by my supply. And the Lord will build you and the Lord will grow you because if he gave you a word, you can do it. Amen. See, many times all we're doing is I can't do it now, so that must not be God. No, God wants to grow us. He wants to get us to a place where we can walk with more. And what used to be hard and heavy now is easy and light. We just, now it's easy and light. See, if you get to somewhere, somebody's bench pressing 400, they back up to 100, and it's like, like that. It's easy. Why? Because they built themselves up. They're spiritually strong. See, a lot of times, God's desiring to raise his church up, but people don't see this promise. God will ask them to do something. They don't stretch their love out towards that. They don't stretch their faith toward it. They just say, I can't do that. And so you've got people in the body that never grow. You've got bodies that never, bodies of Christ that never grow because the people individually say, I can't do it. You want a good example of this in the word? Go take this promised land for I have given it to you. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, you can because when Moses would uphold the rod of God, when Moses would uphold the word of God, something supernatural happened. See, we don't serve by our own supply. We serve by the supply that's in the word. We serve by the supply that's in the word. Lord, I can do it. I'm not serving on my own strength. This is also how we can be hospitable without complaint. Because normally where we would complain, we'd be like, no, but I'm serving by the love of God. I can do this without complaint. See, it's we're serving by the supply of God. God's calling not just this church, but the church around the world. Be who I called you to be. Walk out these things. The end is near. And watch what happens when we serve by the supply of God. It says, so that in all things God may be glorified. Because, come back up, because when you start lifting something bigger than you, people are looking on going, that's not possible. How's he doing it? That shouldn't happen. He's too small. And look, look, David, he's too little. He's not fit to be a king, even his own dad. That's not possible. Then David walked in. Who? Oh, look at Goliath. Goliath. Oh, you send a boy out here? You send a boy? He said, I ain't coming alone. I'm coming with a supply. I got a word and I got an anointing and I'm coming with a supply. And what looks like I can't handle on my own. Oh, I promise you, by God Almighty, in whom I am in covenant with, you have no covenant, you uncircumcised Philistine. But I have a covenant and a supply with Almighty God. And in that covenant, in that promise, in his word, you're going to die. Thank you, buddy. All of a sudden, you have the church, not just preachers, yeah. taking down giants spiritually. Yeah. 
casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, winning souls, making disciples, walking in the fruit of the Spirit. All of a sudden, you got the whole church operating by the supply of the Word of God. Would you agree with me? The church would look different. Would you agree with me? The church, we, we'd stop looking at the church and using it as an excuse. All of a sudden, the church would start to look like something that the world says, I need that. I want that. All of a sudden, Psalms 126, the world would say, the nations, the heathen would say, the Lord has done great things for them. Maybe I need the Lord. The end is near. Whoever serves is do so by one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ, he's glorified through Jesus. Jesus will come in us and empower us and he will be glorified. To whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. I want you to see this list here, if they'll put that graphic up. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be sober in prayer. I want you to see this. Take a snapshot of it. Actually, we'll send it out. Send it out on the Voxer line. The end of all things is near. This is some reminders for us. God wants us praying, and he wants us being in a sober mind. God wants us boiling and fervent for love. He wants us to be hospitable to one another without complaint. He wants to be using our gifts to serve. It should, it should not be hard for us to find volunteers. Yeah, yeah, it should be the easiest thing that we never have lack in because people are saying, I want to serve. Because the end is near, we're going to be speaking for God, not speaking for ourselves, not speaking for our flesh. Because the end is near, we're serving by His strength. And when we do these things, we will stop the hardship of suffering. We will stop the hardship of suffering and we'll actually go through the suffering easy and light. We'll be a testimony and a glory to God. All of a sudden, the world will look on us and they'll say, I need that. Let's put up real quick Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, present yourselves a living sacrifice. I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God. I urge you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. Put your flesh down. Live by the Spirit. Do it His way. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is, your, which is your spiritual service of worship. Did you know there's a worship that we have that says, I'm just going to choose to live life the way he wants me to live. Do you know we worship God or we don't 24-7? Our life can be a life of worship and God's designed it to be a life of worship. How we think is a worship to God or it's not. How we act is a worship or it's not. How we speak is a worship or it's not. How we lay our hands on the sick is a worship or it's not. How we win souls is a worship or it's not. How we make disciples is a worship or it's not. How we serve is a worship or it's not. How we stretch our 
love towards one another is a worship or it's not. They, all of these things, we're either worshiping God, God, you are worthy of these actions, or we're making a choice to not do what he told us to do, and we're saying you're not worthy of worship. But when we worship like that, he says, don't be conformed to the world in verse 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me see your Bible. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I'm not, I didn't get up here and preach flesh or good ideas. What did we preach this morning? The Word of God. And we've got to give ourselves to let that Word renew our thinking got to let it and sometimes our we've had a hard head with it and we got to say don't don't be a hard head we got to let the word get in us change our mindset and which one of us needs this how many people have had mind renewal before how many people have had mind renewal before how many of us need it today? All of us. We've got to let the Word change us. The first thing is recognize I need to change and grow up into some different levels. But if we won't be conformed to the world, pressed into its mold of thinking, pressed into its ways, its habits, but we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind, God will then take His Word as the sword of the Spirit and he will, he will mold us. He will chisel away the parts that we need. He will turn us into his masterpiece, his craftsmanship. And then he'll take us and he'll place us right in the body of living stones, a house to the glory of God, used, serving, loving, speaking his will each piece in place the manifold grace of God to serve the people to serve the community to serve the world I don't know about you but I, at one point I got tired of the church not being the church so a lot of people have this idea that to be the church you got to go out on the streets and you got to take the power of God out of there that's true but also being the church is submitting to God's ways, being here on Sunday morning, coming together, growing up. This is not just to win souls. This is to go into Ephesians 4. This is to grow up the believers. And so any believers that think that they're already grown, their growth is capped. So a lot of being the church is we got to see some growth, not just to a spiritual teenager, but let's become spiritual giants in God. Lord, I'll submit myself. I'll humble myself. I will give myself to the ground where you planted me. And Psalms 92 says you'll flourish in the courts of heaven. You'll flourish. Lord, I give myself to you in your ways. Going back to that verse, not conformed and pressed into the mold of a traditional church necessarily, but transformed by the Word of God, transformed by His Word. And when you transform yourself and let God shape you and mold you and turn you into His masterpiece, 
Just stand on your feet right now. If you feel like sitting down again in a second, you're welcome to. But I want you to just stand on your feet. Lift your hands to the, to the Lord. Close your eyes. When we allow God to take his word and transform us, he says something happens. There's something supernatural that happens in the earth when each individual person says, you know what, Lord, I have grown a lot, but I know I've not tapped the fullness of your depths. Lord, I know there's more in you, and I want to see the more. I give myself to you, and I'll give myself to let the Word of God renew my mind. We're transformed into a masterpiece. God says it in verse 2. He says, then you will prove to the world what the will of God is. In other words, God's will will start to happen in your life, in you, around you, and through you. You'll start to lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. And they'll say, are you a pastor? You'll say, no, I'm just a child of God. Are you an apostle, a prophet? No, I'm just a believer. The Bible says those that believe will lay hands on the sick. But see, this doesn't happen without giving ourselves to be transformed. Kevin's foot, it doesn't just get healed by itself. No, God needs to use people that will operate in faith, give themselves to the transforming power of His work. But God says you'll start to prove It'll be a proof. You'll start to prove God's will is good. God's will is perfect. I love this. God's will is acceptable. When we start living in this love, people start to look at our lives and they'll say, man, I can accept that way of living for God. I can accept that way. How many people would like to be that kind of witness that proves to the people around, to your family, to your co-workers, to people you run into at the store, you'd like to be the kind of proof that makes people repent and turn to God. If you sense that this morning you want prayer, I just ask you to come up right now. Lord, I want to be that kind of witness. If you need healing in your body, you need healing in your finances, I invite you to come up. If you need an answer from God, a solution, you need God to move in some way in your life, in your family, in your mind, in your peace, I invite you to come up. The Word says this, when the Word of God is preached, God moves with signs and wonders confirming the Word. If you need healing, come up and receive your healing. I want us all to pray this. I want us to just lift your hands, close your eyes. And I want you just to pray this. Every person in here, every person watching online, pray it out loud. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Everything you ask me to do, I will do. I will follow every command and you will supply the power to get it done. I believe you died for me and I believe 
that God raised you up. And when he raised you from that place of death and lack, you didn't leave me in that place. But you raised me to fullness of life as well. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and fire to live your life that you've called me to. In Jesus' name.